everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Alison Grunendike. Oh, welcome everybody. My name's Allison. I'm one of the lead pastors. Hey, if you're new, special welcome to you. I just love seeing new faces, so hopefully I'll get a chance to chat with you afterwards as well. Uh, We just wrapped up a a series on The Chosen, and we're starting a series on Isaiah 60 as kind of just our November space to get ready for Advent. And this is a fifth Sunday in this lovely month of October. It's also Halloween, or as Amos would say, happy Reformation Day to you all. Yes, yes, love it. I think he tried to request um, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, some sort of hymn that he really likes. (laughs) Um, And I said, no, let's not do that. But it is going to be a special time to sing together today. Uh, This is what we are calling now kind of our prophetic prayer and worship service. And it's just a space where we have extended time to soak in the presence of God and speak life over each other, really. And so um, this morning, I'm going to try to be short. I have a lot of scripture for you because it's just so good. So I want us to just stay in that space, but I'll try to be short. Um, I should also say, I am still jet lagged. I don't know if that's possible, but I, we returned. Are you, Jean? No. Yeah. What is going on? Everyone thinks this is really strange. It's taken me a long time since getting back from Arizona at the national conference to figure out like, what day is it? What time is it? When am I supposed to be eating my meal? I eat dinner, but then like, I want second dinner at like 10.30 or 11. It's just been really confusing. So um, all that to say, it is so good to be back with you and be back home. It was really, really nice to um, just get time with the larger Vineyard family in Arizona, but it really also made me miss this family. Um, I just love and appreciate you guys. So I hope that we can just be a family this morning. And in fact, as I was kind of preparing and asked God, what do you want to do in this space? He said, I want you to talk about family traits. And um, that seems like a, a decent idea, especially because lately Amos has been migrating all of our Google photos over into iPhotos. Is that a thing? Apple photo? I don't know. I'm so not tech savvy. But some transfer of photos, they are no longer in one app. I have to click on a different app to see them. That's all I know about this, okay? Um, but it's been super fun because we've been just spending time looking back through old photos of Isla as a baby and recognizing just how much she has changed, even in the short two years that she's been around. Um, And you all have seen her, right? She is totally Amos's little mini-me. I say that to everybody. I'm like, I don't, I I only know that she is my kid because I birthed her, and I remember that part, right? But like, if you were to look at her face, she doesn't look like me. She's got Amos's brown eyes. She's got his beautiful curly hair and his dimples and his face shape, and she just looks like his little mini-me. But as I was looking through the photos, I was like, wait a minute, that's an Allison look. That's my smirk. That's what I do when I'm annoyed too, right? And so I was realizing... She, is, she does look like me, but really what I mean by she looks like me is she actually acts like me and she talks like me, right? So her, her most favorite copycat thing right now to do is when she's really enjoying her food, she goes, oh man, that's good. 
oh man, that's good. And then she starts, she does this little like, shrugs her shoulder, oh man, that's good. Apparently I do that, right? I, I never knew this about myself. I'm like, do I chair dance when I'm eating my food? Namus is like, oh yeah. It's this little hip hop thing you got going on when you're really having a good meal. I'm like, that's so crazy, I never knew that. And I'm sure that you all can relate to just having your kids be this crazy mirror into your life to show you things that you never knew about yourself. And that's kind of where I want us to go today is just like God just said, let's, let's talk about what it looks like to be the family of God, to actually mirror to each other and to the larger world the beauty and the character of Jesus. And, um, you know, the language of family is actually the most used, the most frequent um, and just resounding metaphor all over the Bible for what the people of God are supposed to look like. So, like I said, I could preach probably 80 sermons on the family of God because it's so, there's just so much to say. So I'm not going to be comprehensive. I'm just going to try to dial it down and do a few things I think God wants us to just really know today. Um, and then we're going to spend some time practicing, just working on bringing ourselves as family together and asking the Spirit to show up and do what only He can do. So, as I was saying, family traits, especially in, in the Bible and in the people of God, are not actually seen in the ways that we are physically the same. In fact, God has given us beautiful diversity. We don't really look like each other in our hair color, our eye color, the languages we speak, the traditions that we hold. But God says it's in the way that we live our lives together in the spirit that's the same. He says, the thing that you share is the spirit. So check this out. Romans 8 is a sweet passage, but it starts off 1 to 2, and it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And so right off the bat, God wants us to know what the family of God looks like is men and women who live by the power of the Spirit. And all over the Bible, there's tons of contrasts of what it looks like to live a life that's powered by sin, and then what, it's look like, what it looks like to live a life powered by the Spirit. And I'm not going to have time to get into all of that, but basically, when we say that we are people of God's Spirit, we are saying we are people who are changed and powered from the inside out. Our identity and our freedom is an inside-out kind of life. And that actually sounds really scary close to what the culture is saying today. So I want to just say one thing about that. You probably have heard statements like this, and the culture packages it as, you know, the truth is inside each of you. There's a light in you, everyone has their own inner light that they can use to guide their way. And so just follow your heart, create your own path, uh, do whatever you want to do in life to get wherever you want to go. And I think God would say to us today, the difference in living a life in the spirit is the source of our ability to change is actually not our own. It's not coming from my own strength, my own power, my good looks, my good fortune, my good intelligence. It's really just the fact that God says, I chose you, you're mine, and you're loved. 
You're loved and so you can change. You're loved so you can grow. And it's not your doing, it's the Spirit's doing. And so that's the first mark that I want us to just really hold together today, that as we come in, in this community space to worship and to pray together, it's not anything we bring that makes it happen, guys. It is just the Spirit of God coming and doing his thing. And going on in Romans 8, in verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And so what that means is as a child of God, you give up your sense of personal control and you yield to what God is doing. We don't get to control him. He's the one with the plan. We just show up and let it get worked out in our lives. It gets worked out in our lives and then it goes back out into the world. That is what it means to be led by the Spirit. I submit, God, to what you want to do, and I say your way is better than mine. And we just trust that in these verses, go go read Romans 8 this week. It is so, so beautiful. In these verses, it says the Spirit of God, he leads us away from things that lead to corruption and death and decay. And he leads us toward things that are everlasting, that are increasing, that are beautiful, that grow. And so what the Spirit of God is doing in our life, what he wants to be doing, is working the character of Jesus into your life. He's working the character of Jesus into your life so that you show up differently in the world, so that the posture that we can hold as people when we encounter pain, when we encounter suffering, when we encounter setbacks and challenges and insults and conflict Right? Because the Bible is very clear. Just because we follow Jesus, we don't like get a, a separate set of like circumstances. We don't get like an easier path in life. What we get is the character and the goodness of Jesus coming to us. And so I was thinking about, you know, how, how does this actually happen? Because that all sounds really nice, right? But it's a little abstract. How does the Spirit of God come and change my life from the inside out? And it dawned on me that in the Bible we hear the Spirit's work described as gifts of the Spirit, and we also hear it described as fruit of the Spirit. And have you ever considered the difference in a gift and a piece of fruit? Probably not, but hang with me, right? We want both. They're both good. But gifts, how do you get a gift? You receive it. Yep, you receive it. Maybe you ask for it, right? But you really can't do much. You just receive it. It's like in a moment, I didn't have this thing. Someone gave it to me. Now I have it. It's amazing. It really requires nothing on my end other than to trust that the person that is giving the gift loves me, cares about me, knows that I really want the thing, and can actually make good on the promise to give it out. Right? It's like gifts come in a moment. We don't deserve them. Sometimes we don't even expect them. Those are the best kind of gifts, right? When you didn't know you were going to get a surprise. But think about how is fruit given? How does fruit come to you? Takes work. You pick it. That's interesting. I didn't thought about that. You pick it. How else? Takes time. You reach out for it. Yeah. Fruit, it grows. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. It's all right. You're all right. Josh is not more right than you all. Everyone else with the answers. 
It grows, it grows, right? I mean, God could have just like snapped his fingers and said, there's an eggplant, there's squash, there's an apple, there's a peach. He doesn't do that. He starts with seeds. And so, let me say that again. Gifts can come to you in a moment because God is good and he just wants to impart his goodness right then and there. But the fruit of the Spirit comes to us and is something that has to be cultivated. It starts as one thing. It starts as seeds, and it goes through a process, and it becomes something totally different. And so let's read the fruit of the Spirit. What is it? Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I have read that verse many, many times, and I think my lens was always a, a lens of a gift of those things. And I just think there's something in sitting with that for a moment and saying, wow, I want my family trait in this church to be, we, we, we want to become the kind of people that we say, I will stay in it for the long haul to let those things grow over time. I'm not going to cut and run when it looks like nothing's happening. I'm staying with Jesus because I'm trusting that the good seed that he put in the ground actually does produce the good fruit later, right? The fruit of the Spirit requires constant tending and constant vigilance to cultivate. And interestingly, if you go on to the next chapter in Galatians, chapter 6, the uh, title in my Bible there says, We Harvest What We Plant. Also sounds kind of obvious, right? But it goes on to describe that people will actually reap a harvest of destruction if we sow sin. If we sow anything that is contrary to the life of the Spirit, you will get a life of destruction. Again, could say so much about that. But then check this out. Verse 8 through 10 of chapter 6 in Galatians. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, and I think he means you always have the opportunity. It's pretty funny. Uh, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. And I just lo I love that uh, we've been reading about God's good gifts, his gifts, and his good fruit. And then Paul says, don't get tired of doing what's good. And you think like, well, yeah, it's good. If it's good, why would I get tired of it? I love good things. Let's do more and more and more of it, right? But I think he's saying, don't get tired because it's actually very tiring to keep chasing the good things. He's saying, you better keep the harvest that you want in mind. Because I know that farming in and of itself is actually not all that fun. Now, 
I am not saying that Bing doesn't have moments of joy when he's out driving his tractor around in his fields, right? Or Abigail and the kids don't have these moments of joy when they are picking uh, fresh tomatoes off the vine, right? But interestingly, Abigail reached out to me today, and I said, hey, you're going to be at church? And she said, no, because a tree fell on our fence and the sheep got out. So Bing is home chasing all the sheep and she has to chase all the children, I guess is what she said. She said, I can't wrangle all the kids myself. I was like, oh, I totally get that. But isn't that funny? Because they would tell you farming is not for the faint of heart. It actually isn't a lot of fun. It requires work that you don't see the fruit of for a very long time. There's so much that's out of your control when you farm, and there's so much that you have to contend with to try to get those crops from seeds to your delicious meal on your table, right? There's wind, there's rain, there's the lack of rain, there's the bugs, there's the deer, and then there's the weeds. And that's what the Bible wants us to just be so aware of. We are people of the Spirit, so we need to be aware of what we're growing. But it is a slow-coming kingdom. And I think it can be just as miraculous to see the fruit of gentleness and patience and kindness come up in your life. It can be just as miraculous as seeing healing happen, as seeing uh, giving a word of knowledge to somebody. It can be just as miraculous but we actually need different eyes to see those subtle changes in your heart over time. And we need each other. We just need each other as the spiritual family to say, hey, I see what God's doing in you. Stay at it. I notice it. Keep saying yes to the work of God in your life. Don't give up. And the last characteristic of the family of God that I feel like God just really wants us to sink our souls into this morning is the fact that in the family, you and I are not the boss. We are the children. (laughs) We are the children. And I realize I'm speaking to a room of adults, and so you're like, no, I'm not, right? This is really, really hard for me. I I don't like considering myself as a child before God because I really like to think I've arrived. Like, I'm mature. I have my things together. And really, as adults, we're the ones who spend all the time loving and caring and serving. We're like, no, I'm, I'm the one doing the serving, right? But listen to this, still in Romans chapter 8. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. And then jumping down to the more famous uh, verse 28 here, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Check this out. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. 
And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Again, it's easy to read that verse and think, okay, God is working all things out for my good, but that actually, it doesn't mean good in the sense of earthly comforts, the good that he's working out in your life. I feel like I'm just a broken record this morning. The good that he's working out in your life is the character of Jesus. It is the peace, the the patience, the love, the gentleness. It's those things. And your place in the family is as a child of God. So that means you're chosen, you're called. Your relationship with God was made right through the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is the person who continues to mend it every time we can't keep the end of our deal, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the work. And because of that, we carry this inheritance from God and it is meant to be accessed right now. It is also going to come more fully and more perfectly in heaven eventually. But the inheritance that God has given us as his kids, we can tap into that right now. Isla has no problem coming up to me and telling me exactly what she needs and wants right now. You know, and she can do that because she's learning to trust that I have her good in mind, that I as the parent am trying to work out her life for good even when she doesn't understand my choices and she doesn't understand how I'm doing it. And isn't that the same with God? God is really doing something in our kids right now. He started speaking this word to me months ago. I went to the conference. I thought, great, I'm going to hear for, you know, my role as pastor of spiritual formation. What are we doing with the adults? What new thing can I start? What are you doing? And all week, do you know what he did? He just kept telling me, watch the kids. Watch the kids. Keep your eyes on the littlest people. They have something for you in the family. And it makes so much sense. We don't necessarily think that about them, right? But the kids have the same spiritual inheritance that we have as adults, and they have it right now. And they have something of the work of growing us up into maturity. We're going to learn it from our children. So one quick story for you. Um, Isla has recently discovered my jewelry drawer. Which is such a bummer because, like, I don't have anything that's organized really in my bedroom except for my jewelry drawer. So it's like, oh, kid, can you just, you can go through the sock drawer. You can make a mess of anything else. Don't touch the jewelry drawer. I actually have it organized, right? And I'm really not much for an accessory person, um, but Isla just really loves it right now. And so every day she goes in and she's like, Mommy, look at this. Look at these earrings. Look at this bracelet. Put it on, Mommy. You try this one. I have this one. It's necklaces and hair clips, and she just loves dressing up. So I'm, I just went with it the other day. I thought, okay. And eventually I said, oh, Isla, you look so beautiful right now. Let's go look in the mirror. And so we walk over. I have this full-length mirror in my bedroom. And her response is immediately to just erupt in worship to Jesus. She starts singing a song that I think she learned at the conference. And 
I am just stunned. And then I start to cry because I just realized God is giving me this precious moment with my little girl and she is teaching me just this stuff. She is teaching me like, I know I'm created to worship, but it is a very different thing when someone in your family, your little girl comes and says, worship with me, mommy, do it with me. And so she's raising her hands. I'm raising my hands. I'm crying. I'm like, they're happy tears, Isla. She goes, I know, mommy. And then she goes, clap, clap, mommy, clap for Jesus. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. She's just, where did, where did you learn this, right? And eventually Amos came in. I mean, this went on for a good bit of time. He was out like blowing leaves or mowing the lawn or something. He comes in the room because he's like, it's really quiet in here, and uh, which is not typical in my house. And he recognizes like this is a sacred moment. So he pulls his phone out. And he tries to capture it on video. And it's so sweet. It's short. I do want to share it with you. Um, but one caveat before Chris pushes play. Um, I'm risking huge embarrassment because I feel so ashamed of how dirty this mirror is. So you're going to see my bedroom. <laughs> it's so gross. I mean, it has, I'm not kidding, not lying. I haven't cleaned it off since Isla was a baby. So it has like years of goo that she just like, you know, when she's like, oh, it's real gross. So I'm a little like thinking about sharing it with you. But I want, I just, I want you to see it. So let's, let's check this out in a minute. I love that he was so obedient. He like sets the phone down and claps, picks it back up. He's like, I'm doing what you say, but I'm still videoing, girl. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. But so you hear us laughing at that, right? But as I have watched this video over and over and over, the prophetic word from God came to me in Isla's sweet little voice. She says, take out your phone, daddy. Set it down, set it down. That's, and that's how it ends. She didn't mean take out your phone to use the phone. She meant take it out of the way. And if that lands on you like it landed on me, I was like, whoa, this is a corrective also. So if you're sitting here this morning realizing, like, I'm in the family of God, I'm in. But I don't think I look like him very much. I think the word is probably put down your phone. Set down the phone. If your model for the good life of how you want to look and who you want to become is Facebook or Instagram 
or cable news or TikTok or whatever other app they're going to create that I don't know about, it's time to put down your phone. Jesus has to be our only model. There can't be competing sources because as you saw with Isla, what you behold over and over and over is what you will become. And you know, the other beautiful thing about this moment with Isla, when she was just schooling us in how to give our first and best attention to Jesus, is there was just not an ounce of condemnation in her voice. Right? That word to us in Romans, there's no condemnation. She's not angry. She's not angry with Amos that he had his phone out. She wanted him to set it down because she knew this is a special moment. And I want my daddy with me in it. I want him to be fully present to what's going on. It's a family experience. Set down your phone, daddy. And the crazy thing is that, so this happened when we came back from Arizona. In Arizona, Jan, Granty Jan, also captured a moment of Isla worshiping. We went to the night session. Jan was supposed to stay home with Isla. Well, she did. Wasn't supposed to. She stayed home with Isla. Um, And she was going to put her to bed because, like, the session starts at 7 p.m. That's 10 p.m. our body time. She's not up for that, right? But Isla didn't want to go to bed. She wanted to watch the worship. So check this out. She says, just like Tyler. Just like Tyler. That's what she's saying. I know she had, uh, I think it was cinnamon life cereal in her mouth as she was worshiping, which is also a good thing to learn from children. Take snacks if you're going to have all an extended time with Jesus. I'm so pro that. Um, she, she says, just like Tyler. Just like Tyler. And isn't that interesting that when Isla saw these strangers on the TV, worshiping, she recognizes what's happening. She says, I know this. This is just like Tyler. And what she's not saying is that person is wearing the same shirt as Tyler, or that person has the same haircut as Tyler, or that guy looks like Tyler. She's saying, that's worship. Tyler is a worshiper. And she knows what that looks like because Tyler has been someone she has consistently watched worship. I think that's the reason she raises her hands. She knows how to sing out the words. It's because she's seen him do it. And she says, this is my family. This is what we do. This is what we do in my family. So let's learn from our kiddos. Let's embrace Jesus in the posture of a little child and 
as God's kids, just know that you get to expect and anticipate that God is going to do good work and that what he's doing is actually of super great value. It's to be cherished. It's worth our time. It's worth our attention. And so we're going to do that uh, right now. So band can come on up, and I'll just pray. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we just invite you to do your good will and your good work in our hearts in this moment. Would you give us the eyes to see what you're doing and the courage to say yes to it, God? Welcome you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.